0: So Paul went out and asked people a very simple question, what's the meaning of life, what are we here for? I love that girl's reaction at the $1 store, you know, just totally freaking out, what are you serious, what kind of question is that? And then it struck me, I've watched it a few times uh, this week, there were a lot of I don't knows, weren't there? A lot of I don't know, some, some attempts and then well, I, I don't know. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you, where you had something to accomplish, but you didn't really know what it was. There wasn't a clear mission, not a clear idea of where you're supposed to go. That's frustrating, isn't it? And then think of going through life and not knowing what it's about, not knowing where you're going. I mean, there was a lot of great material in there. Uh, one guy... Uh, at the park with his family, you know, talking, it was all about his family, and, and Paul asked him, well, how do you know that, you, that you're on the right track? And remember what he said? He said, well, I try hard. I try hard, but you never know. Another guy said it's about being happy at the end of the day. I, I love the guy. He said, well, just live with each other so, and, and not kill each other. Uh, I would think that's the minimum, um, but then you look at the world out there, and you'd be surprised, then someone else said it's all about relationships. What is life about? What is life about? I don't know that that will answer all of that today. What I want to look at, at with you this morning is as part of, of life, church for most of us is a big part. I want to look at what is church about for us? What is church about and what is K2 specifically about? You know, a lot of you, I know, are serving in different areas here at the church, maybe in Adventure Canyon or or on Connections or the parking lot or the arts team. There's so many areas to serve, and sometimes it's so easy to lose track of the of the bigger picture you 're so focused on on what you are doing and the here and now and it 's almost like you 're in the forest and you can 't see the forest because of all the trees right you 're so focused on your assignment and I hope that today would give all of us a chance to kind of lift up our, ha- our head and see this is what the church is about the church universal this is the, 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 what God has told us as a church to be about and here 's the specific calling of k to the church and what we are called to do. What is our mission? I've titled it today, Why Do We Do What We Do? Or Why We Do What We Do? Why Do We Go Where We're Going? And Why Do We Do What We Do and and How We Do It? And so what I want to do with you this morning is take you through K2's mission statement and our vision statement. Any organization really should have a mission and a vision statement. Actually, every person should have a mission statement and a vision statement. I remember when I was in seminary and one of our professors encouraged us uh, to do that. And I did it back then, but I forgot it by now. But every, every big organization has a mission statement. This is our mission. This is what we're here to accomplish. That's the goal. And then the vision statement is more precise of how are we going about pursuing that goal and pursuing the fulfillment of that mission. So I want to take you through both of those and look at how they are scripturally based, what the Bible has to say about them, and then see how that fleshes itself out here for us at K2. But let me pray before we dive in. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. It is always such a privilege and honor to be here together. Together, together to hang out with each other, to get to know each other better and to get to know you better, to get to know your word better. And Lord, I pray that this morning we, we would catch a glimpse again of what your mission is for us as a church, for us as followers of you, and that we would be reminded of what you have called us as a local church called k to The Church here in Salt Lake City, what you have called us to. What part in your grand scheme game and, and the, the story that you're writing, what part we play here as a church. And I pray that it would re-energize us in, in our individual part within that. So I just pray that you would speak into our hearts, that you would encourage and challenge us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, we're going to put the mission statement up on the screen, I hope. Here's the mission statement of K2 The Church. Our mission is to establish multiplying churches throughout the Western Rockies and the world that engage those being sought by God. Let me repeat that one more time to establish multiplying churches throughout the Western Rockies and the world that engage those being sought by God. Before we dive into it, I want to show you where that comes from uh, in scripture in Matthew 28. And we won't have this on the screen. Um, but we will the following verses after that. In Matthew 28, Jesus is with his disciples the very last time after the resurrection, before he's, being, uh, he's he ascends to heaven to be with his father. He says this to his disciples, his very last words, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, in, in the end of 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and you as my followers have that authority. And therefore, because of that, because you follow me, now go and make disciples. What he means with disciples is go and find people and tell them what it means To follow me. Tell them what it means to become a follower of me. Make them disciples and go to all nations and then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and then teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So he says, Teach them what it means to follow me. And then in in Acts 1 8, he gives them one more. Mission statement, so to speak. Man, come on. Acts one eight. Here we are. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's again this power, this, this idea of authority. He says, my Holy Spirit, my Spirit will live in you. That's where the authority and the power will, comes from. And then you will be my witnesses. You will talk about what you experienced with me. You will talk about what it means to follow me, the son of God. And you will lead others in that. And then you will, in, in, in Matthew 28, he said, go to all nations. And then here he lays out the plan. He says, you start right here where you're at, right here in Jerusalem. And then you go into, into Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the mission that Jesus gave his followers. That's the mission that Jesus gave to the church. That's the mission that Jesus gave to you and to me if you are a follower of Jesus. That's the mission that he gave to K2 the church, but he started it right then there with the disciples and all who would become followers of Jesus after them. So for us, our Jerusalem is this city, is this valley, this Salt Lake Valley. And then our Judea might be might be this this state of Utah. And then Samaria, we go from there and this country and beyond. That's why we as K two are involved in, in, in trying to make disciples and talking about Jesus in our immediate context here. In the context of this valley and and church planting in this state, that's why we support ministries outside of this state, whether that's Chad and Pittsburgh working in the inner city or even beyond the borders of this country to the Philippines and to Honduras and and wherever else, Ethiopia, wherever else God leads us. So specifically for us in our mission statement, we've worded it like this, and this is the burden that God laid on the hearts of the leadership that founded this church, namely Dave and Eric and those that, that started and planted k to the church was to establish multiplying churches throughout the Western Rockies and the world. God clearly gave gave Dave a burden for, for this part of the country, the Western uh, Rockies or, or the Wasatch here, but, but not limited to that, to this part of the United States that, that we wanted to come here and then multiply into different churches so that we can be more effective and reaching more people be in this valley and beyond with, with the news, um, with the good news of Jesus and make disciples, follow the mission that he's laid out in Matthew 28 and Acts 1.8. And we want to do that by multiplying churches, because the idea is that more churches will give more people an opportunity to hear. In Romans 10, Paul lays out the importance of, of our verbal communication in, in telling people about Jesus. Romans 10.14 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, God clearly tells us people need to know about me. Yes. Some of that comes by example and, how we lead our lives with integrity and with love and, and with submission to others and care and so on. Yes. We've got to live out the reality of Jesus in our lives. But But, we also have to talk about it. We have to tell people what we have experienced with Jesus, the forgiveness, the peace, and the, the freedom that we 're experiencing in our relationship with him. It has to be communicated that 's why multiplying churches so that we create more and more and multiple opportunities for people to come into a context where they can hear the Word of God and can hear the news that God loves them so much that He sent His only Son so that He would die on the cross for them so that they can receive forgiveness and that He rose from the grave so that He can give you and me new life in Him. We have got to talk about it. That's why multiplying churches along the Western Rockies and the world that engage those that are already being sought by God. See, we are called the body of Christ as the church. We represent Jesus. And Jesus says, I came to seek and to save those that are lost. That is our responsibility as a church, to seek those out that are already being drawn by God and tell them about Jesus. Multiplying churches throughout the Western Rockies and the world that engage those being sought by God. So then our vision statement describes in more, in more detail how we feel God is calling us specifically as a church to fulfill that mission of, of reaching people by, by planting, multiplying churches. So here's our vision statement. We want to fulfill our mission by being a church with reckless faith in Jesus Christ, fleshed out in sacrificial love, service to those in need, and a commitment to draw people into an ever-deepening relationship with God. Let's read that one more time also. We want to be a church with reckless faith in Jesus Christ, fleshed out in sacrificial love, service to those in need, and a commitment to draw people into an ever-deepening relationship with God. So let's, let's take this one by one. Let's talk about reckless faith. We want to be a church that lives... In reckless faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the word reckless, no, normally in the context of our lives, has a negative connotation, doesn't it? It's, it's risky. It's, it's, it's no regard for circumstances or consequences, right? That's why I talk to my kids when they do stuff and just not thinking about the consequences. It's like, man, that's just reckless. And it almost always seems negative, doesn't it? Obviously, in this context, we don't talk about a, neg- a negative context when we want to recklessly follow Jesus. What we mean is we want to live reckless faith by trusting God and following Him with no regard for circumstances and consequences. We want to follow Him and trust Him no matter what that leads to, no matter what that looks like. We want to have reckless, risky Dangerous faith in Jesus Christ. You know, in life, when we recklessly pursue things, have you ever recklessly pursued something? Ever? Come on, anyone with me? No? (laughs) When we recklessly pursue something, what do we do? We go for that, right? So that's what I want, whether that's a thing or accomplishment or what, that's what I'm going for and I'm going there and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. We recklessly pursue things, and we do that all the time. I just recently recklessly pursued buying a new road bike. All right? <laughs> yes, I did. So I've had the same road bike for seven years. It was my first road bike, and I was starting to, you know, I'm biking a ton. I'm getting ready for races, and I was thinking, honey, I said, honey, I, g- I need an upgrade. I need an upgrade. And so I started saving my allowance. Yes, I get an allowance. And, um, and then I started scheming okay, how can I do this quickly? First, the plan was to buy it next summer for the new season. And then I started thinking, scheming, said, I want that. And then I started getting reckless about it. And I started thinking, okay, well, how can I make this? Well, I can sell this, and I can sell that. And then my birthday's coming up, and I can save some money there. And, then, and so I, I started scheming, and then I recklessly sold my bike uh, before having a new one, which was really reckless because I meant I couldn't train, I couldn't keep, uh, anyway. So I sold my bike, I schemed, I made it happen. All right? I made it happen. I have a new bike now. It was a little reckless and my wife was watching this from a little bit of a distance. I don't know, honey. I don't know what you're doing here, but I did it. All right. Some of us maybe almost recklessly have pursued purchasing a home at some point. You took great financial risks, but you looked at things and you made it happen. Right? Some of us ever, have you ever recklessly pursued a relationship? Ooh, I'll tell you when I, when I had locked, locked in on my wife before she became my wife, I, recklessly pursued her i mean i i i really didn't care what others said what what others thought i recklessly pursued that woman and it worked by the way (laughs) now i took great risks and i made myself look like a fool in the process but i recklessly pursued her sure all of you have done that in some area of your life here's the question are we doing that in our relationship with god Are you and I recklessly pursuing God? Are you and I recklessly pursuing a stronger and deeper relationship with him? Are we recklessly pursuing him and following him no matter what it makes us look like, no matter the risks that we take, no matter the circumstances and consequences? See, in life, we can so lock in on something, right? And it's so normal then to go for that and be so single-minded. The question is, do we do that in our relationship with God? Do we pursue Him with the same focus and intensity and passion that we pursue things in this life? That's what we mean with being a church that recklessly or that has reckless faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what it means to be a church with reckless faith? It means to be a church full of people with reckless faith. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to be together with you. And then that reckless faith will show, can we put it back up, that reckless faith will live itself out by in sacrificial love, among other things sacrificial love jesus exemplified that more than anybody else scripture tells us that he loved us to the point of giving his life for you and for me is there anything else you can give anything else you can sacrifice for someone and he's calling us to lay down our lives for each other he calls us to to sacrificially love one another to love god and then love people and sacrificial love implies that it gives Sacrifice always implies giving and it implies painful giving. (laughs) Otherwise it wouldn't be a sacrifice. That's how reckless faith lives itself out among other things. We want to live it out by sacrificial love and by service to those in need. By service to those in need. You know Jesus says at some point what you have done to the least of these you have done to me. He calls us to live out our love for him by loving the people around us, especially those in need. At some point, he tells a story about sheep and goats and dividing them. And, and, he, and the goats ask, well, why are we goats? And he says, well, here's the deal. I was in jail and you didn't visit me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me to drink. I was hungry, you didn't give me to eat. I needed shelter, you didn't put me up. He says, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. If we are a church that calls itself a church that follows Jesus and we don't care for the people in need around us, then we're totally out of the will of God. Completely out of the will of God as a church and individually. And that's why we, we put so much emphasis on, on, on ministries like Kids Against Hunger, where we, where we pack food that we send to people who don't have enough to eat. That's why we're involved with a dream center over with, with underprivileged children. That's why we've supported an orphanage in the Philippines and, and, and in Russia in the past. That's why we have a food pantry here at the church. That's why we, we serve South Salt Lake and people that need, need help in their neighborhoods. And that's why we constantly want to continue to think about and and. and seek out ways to do that better and more effectively. And if you have ideas, bring them our way. We want to be a church that impacts this community. Dave, a while back, asked us in in a staff meeting or in a management team meeting, anyway, he he asked us, guys, what if K2 would close its doors tomorrow? What if K2... Don't don't be scared. (laughs) Let me finish that talk. He said, what if K2 were just to close its doors tomorrow would this city miss us? Would this city miss us? Besides those of you that are sitting here, would this city, would South Salt Lake, would Sugar House miss us? Man, we, we started thinking about that. I, I think some, I know that Sugar House Park people would miss us after the 4th of July, because but that's one of the things, how we serve this community. I think I think this community would miss us. But you know what? We would want it to miss us a whole lot more. We want to serve the people around us that are in need. And then we want to be a church that draws people into an ever-deepening relationship with God. And I want to talk about a little bit about the drawing people. You know, I believe the Bible tells us to seek out people. I think it tells us to go to where people are that don't know him and meet them right where they are. So often I think we're perceived as people who are pushing our views and beliefs on others. And I don't think that is what God calls us to do. It's more like a, like a rescue boat where we know we have what others need, not out of arrogance, but out of what I have experienced with Jesus. I just want to tell you that the freedom, that I have experienced through my relationship with Jesus, especially in the last four months, just bring me to the point where I can't not tell people about it because I want people to experience that freedom and that peace and that forgiveness and that joy. That's why we need to get out there. We want to draw people into that. We want them to receive, I want people and I want you to receive what I know I have received from Jesus. and that's why we, we have a philosophy here in a the, in the, in the DNA where we say no perfect people allowed." that's, that's why I, I dress like this when I preach, because we want people to come in these doors and not feel like they have to clean up their act before they can be part of this community. We want to be a church where you can come as you are. Because God loves you just as you are. Now, he loves all of us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. But it's not about external things. It's about our hearts that he wants to change. That's the kind of church that we want to be, and we want to draw people in. And we want to do that in a way that they enjoy coming here. And I I had an interaction with, with another pastor in this valley a few weeks ago that really shocked me really really shocked me he he communicated literally a basically he said i i hate everything about k2 and what you do because you just entertain people if you're from the south campus i cry a lot (laughs) it i'm telling you my heart broke really maybe sometimes we go a little overboard with the fun that we have up here but i'm telling you I I think it would be a sin to bore people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, Paul addresses the issue of being relevant in our cultures. I want to take you there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 20 and following. Paul says this. Actually, let me start in verse 19 and then starting verse 20 will be on the screens. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I become like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law I become like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I become like one not having the law. Though I'm not free from God's law but I'm under Christ's law. Gets a little complicated. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some what Paul is saying here is I will become whatever I have to become so that I can reach people I will develop develop relationships wherever I need to develop relationships with people I will identify with people where they are so that I will have an opportunity to tell them about Jesus and what he's done in my life and so that they can experience the same What he's saying is in our context, he said, well, I will become a skater to the skaters and I will become a biker to the bikers. And uh, you see, I like athletics, but I, I will become an artist to the artist. And so that I can, what do we have in common that we can share and enjoy together so that we can develop a relationship so that I can tell you about Jesus. He was all about being, being relevant to his culture. When he's in Athens, he goes through, through a place where there were all these different places of worship and he finds an altar to an unknown God. And then he goes to them and he, he talks with them philosophy and he says, you know, you have this altar to an unknown God? He said, yeah, yeah, we don't know him, but just to be safe, we worship him too so that we, you know, we cover all our bases. And he said, well, let me tell you, I know that God. I know the God you don't know yet. And he tells them about Jesus. He used their immediate cultural context to find an opportunity to tell them the truth about the one true God who sent his son. Jesus always uses the immediate context that he's in to engage with the people he's with. He's at a well in Samaria, a woman who's thirsty, comes and draws water. In that context of her being thirsty, he tells her about him being the water of life. That, that quenches all spiritual thirst. Then he, he's surrounded by 5,000 people who are severely hungry, and, and he, he makes a, brings a miracle of multiplying food. And in that context, he tells them, I'm the bread of life. And then he makes up stories. Do you know that Jesus consistently made up stories throughout his ministry to illustrate truths rooted in their current cultural context? We call them parables. Okay? They were fiction. Jesus made them up, not as a lie, he didn't say this was true he says let me just tell you a story and he would make up a story rooted in their cultural context to bring truth to them that's i just want you to know that is what we are trying to do as K2 the church in this context of being in salt lake city in the united states in 2011 we want to find current culturally relevant ways to engage with people so that we would have an opportunity To share the timeless truth of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Wow, got a little excited about that. We want to draw people. We want to draw people to Jesus. And we want to draw them, that's how we've worded it in our vision statement, into an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't matter where you are. You might be over here where, where you're st- just checking Jesus out. You, you haven't begun a relationship with him yet. That's great. You're there. And we want you. We, you're okay there. We want to help move you to know him better. To where maybe you come to the point of, of accepting him as your Lord and Savior. If you already have done that, we want to help you to grow deeper in your walk with him. And that's what the Bible talks about. It's a lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus by knowing him more and more and by following him more and more. God wants to draw people into a relationship with him. If we think back about the video, about the question of the meaning of life, several of them said it's all about relationships, right? Whether it's family or friends, it's all about relationships for most people. And you know what? They are right. It's all about relationships, but above all, it's all about one relationship that we were created for, that you and I were created for, and that is the meaning of life. The purpose of our existence is that the one true God created you and me, premeditated, he thought you up and he created you so that he could draw you into an intimate relationship with him in which you would find meaning and purpose and peace and joy and forgiveness and life that's the purpose of life a relationship with god in john 3:16 he says god so loved this world he so loved you that he gave his one and only son so that all those who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life living eternally. It's hard to wrap our minds around, isn't it? Anybody got that all figured out (laughs) what that means? I want to give you an illustration for that. That's one of the best I've ever seen. And I just want to give credit right now. I stole it from Francis Chan Francis Chan was the pastor of a large church in California. Um, and I stole it from him via Lad Chapman. He came up with it. He had seen it. So let me uh, show you. Here's a rope. And it actually wraps all around the auditorium. If you see, it goes up this aisle and around. This rope represents your and my existence. Okay. And it goes on. Just as you imagine it goes on forever. It, it almost does. So here's this rope. And here's a red part. This red part represents you and my time on this planet okay but the bible tells us very clearly that we are eternal beings that we will that we will exist beyond this time on this planet so that's what all this is for here all right this goes on and on and on and on yet we are you and i are often so so concerned with this part aren't we So we start back here and, and, you know, we, we look at, we, we always look at this part of our lives and we say, man, I just want to get done with school. That's what it's all about. I'm I'm just going to want to get done. I just want to get here. And then we're there. And then I just want to have a career. And then I just want to save, 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 save. So I can enjoy this. (laughs) Right? (laughs) See, now you all laugh. (laughs) Okay. Who's doing that in here? Come on. Let's be honest. Who's doing that? We're all doing it, okay? But you look at all this and it becomes a little laughable, doesn't it? We are so, so concerned with this. And most of you and my decisions have to do with comfort and peace up to this point. And the Bible tells us very clearly that this part here, this, is a preparation for this, (laughs) for this, because this is going to go on and on and on and on. And as followers with reckless faith in Jesus, we make decisions that are not so concerned with this, but are concerned with this. And people tell us, are you stupid? (laughs) Do you know what that decision is going to do to the rest of this? And what Francis Chan would say is, are you stupid? You know what your decisions are doing to the rest of this? (laughs) You see, the Bible tells us that the way The way we live here, the decisions we make here affect how we exist all the way over here. If you've seen The Gladiator, there's this great quote in there. What we do in life, what does it say? Echoes in eternity. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. The choices we make the choices you make, the choices others make will echo in eternity. That's why F- Paul says in Philippians, let's go to Philippians 3 real quick. Hmm, I should have put markers in here. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. So in the context of eternity, Philippians 3, 13 and 14 it says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do know forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is, okay, we we have an eternity to get ready for, an eternity to prepare for. So let's not be so concerned with everything here and everything we've already done. Let's go ahead, let's strain towards that finish line. That finish line that he's talking about is not retirement and golfing for the rest of your existence. (laughs) What he's talking about, that finish line, is the end of this life and the beginning of eternity with Jesus. And he says, let's strain for that. you've seen the olympics 100 meter dash how they run and in the end they you know they they push forward they strain for that finish line that's what he's talking about let's get there that is our focus and we only have this life and so does everybody else and that's why that is why it is so important That's why it is essential that we are a church with reckless faith that serves and loves this community and draws people into a relationship with Jesus that goes deeper and deeper and deeper because everyone's eternity is on the line. And some of the choices that we make as a church and that that you and I make as individuals determine other people's eternity. That's what God has placed us here for. That is why, and I want to ask the band to come up. That is what K2, the church, is about, has been about, and is going to be about. That is why we do what we do. That is why we're going where we're going as a church, regardless of circumstances and, and, and consequences. That's why we, we brought the two campuses back together because we felt God leading us that way. We know it looks weird, <laughs> but you know what? We're going to follow him recklessly, and we believe God's brought us back together because we, we will be more effective in that mission and vision of planting, multiplying churches along the Western Rockies and this world, and will be more effective as a church living out reckless faith by loving sacrificially, serving those in need, and ultimately drawing people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That is why we are and will be a church that will multiply, we will plant churches, and we will do that recklessly Following God at the risk of lo- looking silly. We want to love Him and we want to love those around us and we want to help this valley know that there is a God who literally loved them to death and then came back to life so that they can have life to the full for eternity. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And I I just want to tell you, it is an honor for me to do that together with you.